that you once thought sucked, but now you realize that they rock. They might still suck. Fear and loathing podcast. Wow. Welcome, everybody, to Fear and Loathing in Cinema Podcast. It's May 9th. We have a wonderful, radical episode for you all today. We're going all the way back to 1986. And we are going to hop on our BMX bikes with Rad. I am Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the two people who I like to eat cereal with, gloves on, and go ass sliding with. Preston Barta and Dan Moran. How are y'all doing? Ass sliding buddies. Man, there's so many ways that we could start this. Like, uh, I got thunder in my heart. Uh, <laughs> ready to podcast this sucker. Ready to podcast this sucker. Oh, my God. So we're talking about Rad, uh, directed by Hal Needham, who's very famous from the Smokey and the Bandit films. That was his, like, big bread and butter uh, this movie starred Bill Allen, Lori Laughlin from uh, from. Oh, my God. Full yeah. House. Full, Full house. house. Full house and prison. And Talia Shire, Rocky's wife. Talia yes. Shire's in this. And then we also got Ray Walston and Jack Weston. Uh, Jack Weston, you know, you would know him as the owner of the summer, uh, the, the summer getaway and dirty dancing. And of course, the one, the only Ray Walston, who was in, who was the teacher, who Mr. Hand, yeah, Mr. Hand, um, in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, who shared a pizza with Spicoli. Just lots of people in this movie, and it's all about BMX riding. Well, it's much more. But first, first, uh, I gotta start. So, Preston, in a couple sentences, hmm. tell me what this movie means to you because i feel like so we're doing this because it's your birthday week happy birthday by the way you radical son of a gun yeah and a big reason why i'm doing this is this year i'm turning 33 which is the number of crew jones in this so <laughs> yeah um it, yeah what, what does this movie that? mean to you what is this what is this movie like i know you you have all the movies you have all the releases of this what what turns you on to this it's pretty much what jump started my love for adventure. It, <laughs> was it was introduced to me when I was a very young kid. Uh, so I, my dad worked at a lawnmower shop and my cousin, who is about 10, 10 years older than I am, he was very much into that scene. And so he grew up on that VHS tape and was very into uh trick riding uh cruising around doing ramps and so this was our connection like we bonded over this movie and so i got really into trick riding when i was in elementary school middle school into early high school um my, we had land in the back at my parents house they had a lot of lands because my dad was a, a dirt bike uh, racer in the 80s and I kept all his shirts. I would wear them all the time. I very much ate cereal with gloves on. I I had my own ass slide in the back of my parents' land because it was a real steep hill. And that's what I, I would very much 
bring romantic dates over when I was in the middle school and say, Hey, let's go ass slide. And so, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, it, this, this was, this movie is very much into, it's like made its way into the fabric of my DNA. Um, and so I recognize that it's, it's a very absurd movie. It's laughable. And there's so many things that you can poke at, but I just have such a nostalgic love for it and appreciation for like what it did and what it did to the BMX community at large. Like this movie was, didn't do very well at the box office. I think it was made for 3 million, made 2 million and, but it did a banger. It was a banger on VHS. And uh, so I still have, this was the VHS that my cousin gave me. And I met Bill Allen a couple of times and he signed it, uh, who plays Crew Jones. Um, when I turned 30, my wife gave me his biography and he even signed it on the inside saying, hey, Preston, hope you have a rad 30th birthday, Crew 33. <laughs> I got every version of this, including the bootleg copy that I got at Waterloo Records in Austin like 10 years ago. So, um, so you're a fan. Yeah. You're yeah. a fan. You, you, Preston. You, th this, you got shoot. So, Preston is coming from this from a long lineage of family members and watching it from growing up. So now we have to move to Dan Moran, <laughs> who I believe never heard and never saw this movie until like yesterday. And so, Dan, do you have the same feelings as Preston on this? No, and I want to point out my laughter at him saying my gave me my sense of adventure is because I had never seen it. I didn't realize he had that Preston had an actual like dirt bike racing a relationship with his dad. It's just like my sense of adventure was from one long pre Mountain Dew commercial is what like <laughs> what the movie meant. To, so it meant to him. I wasn't trying to be like dismissive or rude, but no, I had never heard of this, never seen it. Um, definitely up my alley of being ridiculous um, to the point of entertaining um just i love whenever there's an obscure sport or an obscure talent that somehow like takes over an entire town an obscure an town yeah an obscure small town <laughs> when a populace is just like the only thing that matters is bmx racing and yeah. tricks and i was just like okay it's so i don't want to say i watched it as a comedy but i found a lot more of it amusing than most people probably would i mean i think i texted you guys last night where Point blank, I was not a bully in school, as you can tell. I'm not cool in that regard, but I would have bullied the hell out of those two at prom. I would have been like, <laughs> we need to start throwing chairs at these nerds who are riding their bikes around here. <laughs> so, <laughs> it seemed to me, I just feel like everyone's just like dancing around, like, so we're not dancing around, just staring at these two people having the most sexual BMX for like romance. 10 minutes. It's so long. It's so long. <laughs> but it's like, Send me angels so good that you're like, yes, no, and the soundtrack, everything about it was just so ridiculous 80s. But yeah. really, I would put this down to it, it felt like Mountain Dew, the movie. And and I don't say that Extreme. in a mean, Yeah, I don't say that in a mean way, the way people probably think it sounds. It's just like, here's a bunch of dudes who are gonna be doing cool stunts and cool stuff. Nothing else matters. I mean, the whole plot hinges on him trying to make the hell ride track or, or go take his SATs to go to college. It's just like, it's so funny. 
Well, it's it is funny, and I think the movie has its comedic moments, but it definitely wasn't going for you know straight comedy. But you know, over time, and even back then, this is made in 1985, came out in 1986, in March of 1986, and it, that's the height of the 80s. Like you're coming out of the 70s, yeah. the early 80s, and this is what humans thought the future was going to be you know tie-dye hyper color bmx like this is it and you know it has that very similar uh feel of a story where like you know some big wigs in town are out to like just uh damper the mood for kids you know and uh i i think me personally, I saw this when it came out. I don't think I saw it in a theater. I think I saw it when it was released on VHS, like you, Preston, with my cousin who's five years older than me. And I remember enjoying it. I thought it was silly, but I I enjoyed it. And um, I was a, a bike rider all through shit high school, really. Uh, I had my mountain bikes. I had my dinos. You know, I was doing jumps. Like that's what I did. Uh, yeah. Was ride bikes and. It was cool to see that even in the 80s, uh, you know, there's not to be confused with like the dirt bike kid or anything in the movie. This is rad. This is uh, the movie that you have this corporation holding a big like X Games type of thing for BMX solely. And they're bringing in their crew. They're bringing in like the top dogs from around the world. And meanwhile, there's a few local people in town who are like, this is we're better. Let's get in. And they're thwarted at every corner. Uh, but I think mixing, I think what, what seemed like it, and you will probably know better, Preston, how it seemed like uh, they had a screenplay for about 30, 40 minutes. But to make it full length, they did slow motion shots of the tricks for, you know, a few minutes at a time to really showcase how, you know, quote unquote, air quote, cool it was. But I don't know. That's what I think. What do you think, Dan? I, like I said, it's it really is. Do you guys ever go to. Um, this is going to sound stupid. Have you ever been to a bar or restaurant where they have like Chive TV is just on in the background? When Absolutely. On, yes. And it's just like they'll just do 25 minutes of like people falling or or cool tricks yeah and when you get to the cool tricks part it doesn't matter who you are like my wife who doesn't give a crap about x games or anything she will be and just start staring at some guy who's like on a skateboard or on a bmx bike or doing alpine bike riding and just get sucked into it there's something visceral and cool about x games bmx bikes and doing stunts and doing tricks that just trans it, it pulls you in to stare at it and i think that that's what they knew. They were like, we have the bare bones of a plot, but guess what we're going to fill it with? Shit you want to watch. Right. No, so that's kind of like, you know, the not the jackassy way, but uh, like no. the Matt Hoffman and the yes. um, the Tony Hawk type of thing. That's what they were doing. And they were just doing cool stuff. And that became more gorilla, not very heightened. It was just like, I got right. my camera and we're just going to shoot it right there and make right. fun of people, you know, do silly things. But Preston... <laughs> I know you're 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 chomping at the bit here. I, I'm I'm curious because I know you you've done interviews with these people uh, from Rad and you you've studied it, you've read, you've watched it so many times. What 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 we just talked about about maybe there's being like you know a, a script that was 20 minutes long and adding it. What 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 do you have to say about that? 
I think it's valid. I think that so the opening of the movie, which uh, by the way, it's shot by John Schwartzman. So the Schwartzmans are involved in this. So like the whole Coppola family, extended yeah. Coppola families, is because of yeah. Talia Shire. Talia, yeah, yeah. And where was and, Nick Cage? Where was Nick Cage here? I don't know. <laughs> uh, missed the opportunity, especially since he was in a brief moment of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He couldn't had a another jacket scene in this. <laughs> um so uh yeah like uh it's shot by john schwartzman who's like a big deal now i think he shot all the new jurassic world movies he shot amazing spider-man so he's he's doing big things but it's that 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 opening sequence which you know it kind of stands on its own because the rest of the movie is a racing movie and that's like freestyle land tricks and but they're so cool to see that uh, but yeah, like there's just a series of moments, especially when we get to the the racing sequences, like they're they're long. Um, and then all the in-between moments, you can you can tell that they had a few things that were perhaps scripted, especially the moments between uh, Talia Shire, who who's crew crew Jones's mom and um what I, uh, by the way, what I like about that relationship is that it's understandable. Like I, there's a good, in most eighties movies, like you'll have like the, the mom that is just like completely against what their son is doing. And we get a little bit of that, but there's a mutual understanding there. Like they have, they reach like a good, like, Oh, okay. That's a fair compromise. And that's, that's unique. And that's what sets it apart from other sports movies. Another reason why I think it kind of sets itself apart is what we hinted at, you know, like the whole town was involved. That makes it different because in any other movie, like the whole town's against the sport. Everybody hates the characters for being into skateboarding or whatever they're doing, dirty dancing, that everybody just hates it. And then by the end of it, they change everybody's minds and hearts. But like that sense of community here is very strong. And I think that's what makes it like such an appealing, charming movie. Um, so all those little moments in between that you can kind of, those little nuggets you can pick up on, but you can tell that they're filling out uh, the link, the runtime, but right. I enjoy that filler. Like even the montage sequences, like <laughs> there's, there's the montage sequence of like the, you know, them going ass sliding together and it's got like a nice dreamy song playing and they're sliding down the slide in slow motion and they're doing stupid Yeah, they do stuff, it twice. Like they skip, slide. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have a, a flashback right after the montage, which is <laughs> crazy. So yeah, it, it's really bizarre, but I don't know. There, there's just like, there's such a charm to it. Even there's, there's a relationship with the local cop who was a who's Sergeant Slaughter, Sergeant yeah. Slaughter in, uh, from, uh, it's so great that he was that. It's so amazing. And he has like a balls out quote, which is great. Um, and they chase each other through this log lot, um, which, you know, you can't ride your bike on logs. They had to put ply boards down for them to be able to achieve that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just fun. So I, I, uh, come up with some specific questions and I'll answer it, but that's pretty much that, my overall feelings of that, it. That's your overall feeling. And I have to say that the, the, the actor HB Haggerty, who played Sergeant Smith looks exactly like Sergeant Slaughter from the WWF, but that's not who it is. It's hard boiled Haggerty. Or uh, Eggman was, from Sonic. 
Right, right. Yeah, Hardboiled Haggerty was uh, the the wrestler's name who um, who died in 2004. Uh, he was he was actually pretty old. He was 78 when he died, but he was in a lot of movies. Uh, but they made him look because in the 80s, Sergeant Slaughter was the thing and they made him look exactly like Sergeant Slaughter. And I guess they couldn't get him because he couldn't get away from wrestling. But Dan, I, I saw you raise your hand a little bit earlier when they're talking about when Preston was talking about the mom uh, Talia Shire and crew relationship. Yeah, no, I just, that's, uh, Preston hit it right on the head. Most of these movies, it's the whole town is against someone's decision or they're a complete outsider. And the community part, obviously the mom was like, I would rather you go to college than try to do that, which is completely understandable, but it's not like a huge conflict. And that was the thing about this movie that is unique to me, especially with these eighties movies or these outsider or these like where there's a villain such as, um, the fab uh, in this sort of thing. Normally it's, it's what Preston said, where the whole town, it's like dirty dancing or something where the whole town's like, we need to get all these BMXers out of our town. They're ruining our property values or something crazy like that. And this one, they're like, no, screw these guys. We're better than this. And I think that is what sets this movie apart from all the other iterations that we can, that we can go down the list forever and ever. Like it's got the good mom story it's got our believable mom story um it's got the town who's supportive and behind everything it's just that was the part of it that i wasn't expecting based on the poster and the trailer before watching it i was like oh man right because something And, and it was nice to be surprised yeah it is nice to be surprised because like the movie footloose or you know dirty dancing when there's like dancing is forbidden or dirty dancing is forbidden but everybody accepts it here it's just the the bike shop owner who i guess is a conglomerate of some sort has the mayor has everybody in his in his uh line of sight saying like we are going to do this we're going to make all the money we do not want our locals messing this up and making us look bad uh, and they go to extreme lengths, you know, dick head lengths to um, to accomplish that. But of course, you know, that doesn't work out. But I think this movie is a product of nostalgia and it's time. Preston, I'm I'm curious because you've interviewed um, the guy who played crew, right? Bill Allen, right? Yeah, two or three times, two or three times. So what was, it was one... the best man at his wedding, Brian? right yeah there so preston has a few best friends that i like to say are his best friends i know one of them is bill allen the other one is robocop himself and the other one ethan hawk so i know they all have each other on speed dial but with talking with bill allen you being such a a a passionate fan about this movie and it brings back your memories what was some i'm curious what were some of the things that you uh learned from talking with him about the movie uh i learned um it, it got me more into the racing sequences because i never really thought about the geography that's involved with shooting those things uh here we go guys this movie shot by hal needham stuntman just like john wick you guys so there's a lot of geography <laughs> it's involved. the john wick right there hell yes uh, uh that <laughs> so i i never really uh like i enjoyed uh the racing sequences but i always got you know focused on the music or or something and i never really thought about like oh man just cutting and this is something i talked about 
uh, with uh, Robert Schwartzman, who we know um, he 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 runs Utop Utopia right now, which is a production company, and uh, he he was in um, uh, Princess Diaries as the the love interest. Yeah. Um, so he he's uh, Jason Schwartzman's brother, and so he his dad Jack Schwartzman produced Rad. So this was something that we we talked about too, was just that focusing on the editing and the flow of the racing sequences to know like, oh, that person that has to be behind that person while they're cutting, like it just kind of blows my mind to really think about that. And when you're watching it and you're focused on like, they really had to get the timing right of all this and shoot it from so many different angles and do this and do that. And for how long it goes, like that's a lot of complicated work that, you know, as a casual viewer, you may not pick up on those things. So that was something that, that was a big focus of what we talked about. Um, Hal ne so Hal Needham also had a reason why uh, the number 33 was a bit, was the main number in the film or crew Jones, uh, crew Jones's number. I want to say it was smoking the bandit related. Okay. That's, that makes uh, sense. So I can't, I can't remember exactly, but yeah. Um, and does Bill Allen, like when you're talking with them, because Bill Allen has done other things, but not much. He hasn't been, um, a major actor, but does he fondly look back on this movie? Like, cause some actors don't like to talk yeah. about some of their movies. Does Bill really embrace this? Now he does. I think, uh, there was like maybe an anniversary screening that they had and then he attended it. I may be confusing it with somebody else who had, had like, like had the same kind of traction, no pun intended, with this kind of movie where it wasn't like loved and celebrated at the time. But then when they went to an anniversary screen, they're like, oh, my gosh, so many people love it. Yeah, he still embraces it. He's he rides now because at the time that he shot this, you know, they they had uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie Miola. I think that's his name. He's the mm -hmm. main stunt writer uh, for, for Crew Jones. And he he at the time did the first on cam backflip. And only like six people at the time could do it or something like that. My facts may be wrong, but that I think that's somewhere around that vicinity. Um, so now he rides because yeah, at the time he didn't, he didn't really ride like that. And uh, so we only see like shots of him kind of just, just simply riding. And then everything else is like, is Eddie Mueller doing all the trick riding but their haircuts are very like, similar uh -huh. and so it's it's kind of fun to try to look for oh like where's the where's the stitching or where's the transitional moments like where where they're doing all that um so now he he actually rides and he can do quite a few tricks i follow him on his social channels uh but yeah i mean he looking at his book my rag career um <laughs> he has he goes to a lot of he tours around because they they do anniversary screenings or they've been doing screenings or about to do a riff riff tracks. Is that awesome. Is that? Yeah, um, riff tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Screening this year. And I can't wait for that. Uh, he grew up in Richardson, Texas. OK, so he's a local man. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we talked a lot about that, like him growing up. And I was just curious about like the Dallas art scene, like what may have inspired him. Um so uh yeah yeah that's, that's great he, that's great he, and he, he does uh cameo.com and all that so you, you can go on his website uh oh so and, you can go you can go do you have one of those yet 
Uh, no, I don't. Um, I uh, I saw that you can like call, you can pay to have like a ten minute phone conversation with them or something like that. That's great. But yeah, he he's all for it. He he'll answer the same questions over and over. He didn't care. Um, That's good. That's good. So, yeah. And I like how you brought in John Wick uh, with the stuntman yeah. type of thing. And but I also have to say, like relating it because we got to relate it to John Wick somehow. It felt very much like in the story of John Wick, where John Wick is the best there ever is and was. And constantly there's people telling him he can't do something. You can't be a part of this. You're not allowed to. It's kind of like crew in this movie. He's like, he's like the best there is. And then people are like, you have to have $50,000 in sales. You have to do this. It's like, wait, he's the best. He's local. All these people go uh, to get up to the top of the stairs first before you have your major. Right. Cause he was one out of a thousand now. And then he was one out of 20. It's like John wick. This is like a John wick prequel, right? We stretched it a little bit. We stretched it a little bit. (laughs) I mean, when you think about it, Dan, right? Yeah, I was going to say this is more of like land water world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This feels like once this once this lovely town gets flooded, they're all going to be awesome on jet skis. (laughs) That might be the sequel. That could have been a sequel if this made more money. Yeah, there's probably a deleted scene of them drinking their own urine and. (laughs) oh my goodness so so as the movie's playing out you kind of see you almost see um the the stereotypical 80s high school rivalry between like the well quaffed and you know rich guys coming in to the local people right and it doesn't play out as you would think so because like even in that early like dance sequence at the high school which again i didn't understand because i guess it's like a sponsored thing but it was just weird having the the older people there spike the punch and (laughs) i i was done little little pervy thing but then like the two twins the two twins from uh identical twins uh of the the national circuit come in and in onesies in track suits that look futuristic, like from Logan's run and start dancing. It's from the TV show V, I believe. Okay. That's what it was from V. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, they had leftover suits and they put that on because even the shape of the. Is the V. Yeah. It would look like sci-fi esque, And I, I thought it was so funny to watch that. And then, you know, the most popular blonde headed guy, you know, do the dance and it's just like, wow. And then Lori Laughlin and, crew bill allen just come in and do that dance sequence for for the length of the song uh in slow motion and whatnot and it's it's basically them having sex on bikes it's almost like a julia durkinow movie you know early on <laughs> uh and it's before we go too far do you all know who those twins are now like do you know what they've accomplished oh my god no tell okay, me please get, get ready to blow blow your mind so they wrote the Conjuring films. What? They did. I'm looking at that right now. They did. They wrote Annabelle. They produced Annabelle. They wrote Conjuring. What is happening, Preston? You just blew my mind. Wow. They, they did the story for uh, Invincible, <laughs> starring Billy Zane. Holy oh, cow. That's hard target. What? Ooh. And and they, they are okay. They were a mercenary and lethal weapon. But oh my God, they wrote the Conjuring movies. They're not... 
they're not doing the next one, unfortunately. But what is happening right now, dude? This is yeah. crazy. The yeah. yeah, Chad Hayes and uh, Carrie Hayes; those are the two guys, and they made that they, they were the Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I they're they're one of my they're two. I guess they're my two one of my two favorite side characters in the film, especially during that dance sequence. So I I strongly uh, recommend listening to Bill Allen's a really funny guy, and his commentary track is like they don't even need a riff track because like he he straight up does it he has no problem being like <laughs> why do i have a bandana around my leg i don't know i and, and he, he like he does that all throughout and it's so funny and so during that dance sequence with the twins when they're like he's like it looks like she's getting in the way of them wanting to be with each other it looks like they want right? to kiss no they do because in that sequence there's that humping sequence i was like i would never do that with my brother if right there was a woman wedged between me you, you never know but like it was funny because it was very 80s at the time in that dance sequence with the girl when they take off her jacket it's like her leotard and the two twins on either side of her like go down to their knees to her but they're only interested in high-fiving each other <laughs> during that it killed me i thought that oh that was genius and which i feel is, i can't wait which the song is uh sparks uh music that you can dance to and yep. uh, edgar wright did that great documentary Last of the sparks. sparks yeah that's true yeah uh dan i know you texted us uh after you watched the movie and you only wanted to talk about this scene so please talk to me from start to finish of this scene like you were watching the movie and then this scene happens because it kind of builds up to it it's like you're gonna go to the dance with me you're gonna take me out on that bike yeah <laughs> it's it is just such pure 80s lovable garbage the whole way it was set up that i smiled the whole time like i didn't know it was going to be as extended and long as the dance scene at the prom was but you knew something like that was coming and it did not disappoint i was cracking up at it but also the soundtrack's good and also it's kind of a sweet moment <laughs> but at the same time i was like all these other people at this dance must be so pissed off right now that they don't want to get a peg to the face or, or a tire across the forehead. But they were all so into it, too. I just. I just couldn't believe it's it's like. Um, you know, I mean, this is a real I'm just trying to think of a, a scene that had no business being in there and, and they tried it and it just really failed. But an anchorman with the flute scene which everyone's like, that's when you can just fast forward through that or whatnot, because it goes on for so long and just has no place in it. This movie has at least a seven minute, I don't know, Preston, you probably have it timed out or something. <laughs> at least it felt like six to eight minute long duet, like ballroom dancing on a BMX bike in the middle of the movie. And for somehow it worked, but also at the same time, when you think about it, there's so many root like, that's the part of riff tracks. They're probably gonna have to rewind it and do their second round of riff tracks whenever they do this movie. They're just gonna be like, okay, we got through the first time. Let's go to all of our B jokes and see what else we can do because there's so much to poke at it with it. But again, it's the it's the thing where the movie had earned it because the town was into the BMX and it was a serious thing and all that. And it, and it kind of worked. Like if this was an early nineties movie, he would have come in on his BMX and like done all of his tricks. And everyone would have been like, get out of here. 
get out of here. You have no place here, freak. And and it would the have janitor would be would have... pissed. He's like, you're fucking up my floors. Yeah, it would have been like a big negative. And in this one, everyone was kind of respectful. Like, listen, I don't know if you've ever been to a prom in this town, but what happens is when a man and a woman love each other, they each get on their BMX bike and slowly twirl around each other with cool stunts. Oh, so, it's... yeah, it's just I. It's one of those scenes where. I told my wife I, uh, after I watched it, I was like, do you know this movie has like a 10 minute scene where like people just romantically do a dance duet on BMX bikes? And she's like, you're you're exaggerating. I was like, no, no, it's really that long. Do you want to watch it? She goes, and she goes, no. <laughs> this is one of the two sequences that I will share with people because it's so absurd. This is one and this the the shark zombie fight in zombie is the other one. Um but but this one another re- another layer on to its craziness of why it's so enjoyable to me is that Lori Laughlin's stunt double in this is a dude is a straight is a bony ass dude with broad shoulders <laughs> and a wig on. So just know if you're you're looking at a butt as it's spinning around, that is a dude butt. <laughs> with lifts. <Yeah. laughs> and I'm trying to remember, did was there any reference in any of the full house episodes to Lori Laughlin riding a bike? No, but there is a bizarre reference in this to her criminal activity with like the SCT. Yeah, there is. That sell in answers to uh, uh, the test or whatever it was. There absolutely is, uh, which is like part of the movie. um, And I'm curious, Preston and Dan, you both being parents. Let's say when your children grow up bigger and they're like the late high school age and they um, develop a love and passion for something artistic like this or sports wise, would you enact some of the qualities from Talia Shire being the mom saying, you know, not liking it, but then like, I want you to do your thing, please in six months, take the SAT for now, or, you know, then just promise me no matter what, or would you be hardcore? No, you have to stick to the the plan. What What, what was it? As, as someone who's still paying for student loans and probably will be until I die, um, I will say if my kids have a passion and are that talented at something, I will be like, go ahead and explore that because there's no sense in you going into debt or paying for an expensive school and turning around and getting out in a job you don't like. <laughs> like So I, I'm a big fan of that whole, what was the thing that went around that old people were complaining about? The um, gap years. Like a gap right. year to see what you want to do. Like you're done with you're done with high school, get a job, explore what you want to do for a year. And then, you know, at 18 and a half, 19, depending on how old you are, decide if you want to go to college. And I, that's how I would be um, personally, based on based on my experience. I think my wife's the same way because she's a dance teacher and graduated with a dance degree from UT and got to do a bunch of stuff. But like she got to follow her. That was a passion. That's not making her any money, you know, <laughs> like. Now she's a teacher, but there were years where it was just like she just was dancing in productions and stuff because she loved it. So, yeah, I'm not going to be like whatever. And honestly, if my kid can ride a bike like that, then hell yeah, I'll be driving him to the Mountain Dew um, X Games finals. Be their front row. Hell yeah. What about you, Preston? 
Uh, yeah, the same. Because uh, my wife and I have active, very active conversations about this type of stuff. About what kind of parents are we going to be at this at when he reaches our son reaches this part of his life. And uh, so, yeah, I think we're just going to fully support and embrace whatever he may be into at the time. I think as long as he gets his base education, mm-hmm. that's very important. Uh, I th- There's, as any parent would, they'll set parameters, they'll set limitations, but they don't want to yeah. get it in the way. We'll never say, hey, no, don't do this because you need to completely focus on this because my wife grew up with it. She was in select softball and she said that robbed me so much of so much of my childhood. Like it, it I, I hate it. Um, and so like even talking about gap years, like I'm kind of envious of that. Like most people will, won't really explore the world in the way that they want until they retire when it's too hard for them to get up those stairs. And so why not, why not go like one of my friends in high school, took maybe one or two years off and he went and he he had a lot of money. So he explored Europe. He went all over these places. And when he ran out of money, he got a job somewhere over there uh, doing stuff. And he he just seemed like he learned more from absorbing culture than he would in the classroom. It's, I mean, it's the argument in Goodwill Hunting. It's like, you can study all this stuff in the books, but when you see the 16th chapel in person, it's, you know, you're getting so many things that you don't get in a textbook. So um yeah uh we we talk about that a lot and i think we'll be very level-headed parents about uh his uh future passions interesting all right i I was curious because they they do have that little moment throughout the movie you know it's kind of like a a back burner issue but i'm glad they brought that up and it seemed to work out kind of thing so the uh, moving on the the other side character who i really love is crew jones's little sister who loves nothing more than to kick people in the shins say holy shit and and she's a badass sister like i want to say it she's a badass sister yeah i uh i didn't so my youngest my my sibling is 13 years uh younger than me so we weren't that close in uh age but yeah, having somebody like that, that is just willing, has nothing to lose. Like she's too young. It's not like, all right, let's arrest her. Um, like she can kick people in shins and it's totally fine. And she can say what she wants. It's like she's at the age of an eighth grader where uh, uh, John Mulaney, I think, has a, a bit about this. He's like, eighth graders are like, or no, I think it was Nate Bargatze. He said, uh, like, eighth graders are like the most honest people that you'll ever meet. Like they'll just tell you as it is. And uh, uh, I backtrack. It is John Mulaney. Cause he's like your love handles and stuff like that. Oh, that's the thing I'm sensitive about. Uh, so they'll, they'll get to the core of you and uh, break it off where it hurts. And she does that. And it's great. Yeah. No, I like that. Did you like that, Dan? It's okay. That's what he thinks. Yeah, yeah no, it was, yeah, it was, it was fun. I just, Every character in here had a great name and they all had served a purpose, even if it was just like slight comedic relief. Like they were there. They, and they, I, I just that's how that's how I feel about it. Like I, I have no complaints. I really wanted to like come up with an angle to like make fun of so much more in this movie, but all I could come up with was like that prom would have pissed me off unless I could have written it <laughs> like too. All right. So now we have to talk about Ray Walston, the Burton Timmer in the movie, because at first 
you know, the first time you meet him, he's riding his bike. Like there's like this quaint man in a bow tie riding his bike. And his first line is like, the world would be better without kids. Yeah. And then by the time the end of the movie, he's done a 180, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like he starts off as Mr. Hand. Yeah. And then he just quickly <clears throat> becomes like the most supportive member of the community by giving Crew Jones the money that he needs to be able to enter the race after the rules had been changed by Duke Best a, a couple of times uh, playing dirty. Um, but yeah, yeah. And there's a there's a scene where he gives the finger. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he. I I always enjoy when he pops up on screen. He's, he, he, I mean, he kind of plays the same character all the time, but uh, he, he does it so well that it's it's nice to see him filtered through all these different uh, scenarios in life, and I, I think he brings a nice color to it. He does, he does, and like even his character of a Mister Hand in Fast Times is. He, he's redeemable at the end like he's a yeah when he has to sit down with Spicoli, Spicoli in his yeah. room like that's a fantastic sequence yeah and so yeah this I, I, I like it too. very similar um and so i have to talk about this this movie was shot uh a lot in uh cochran alberta canada and calgary mm-hmm. um and i gotta say for this being the movie that it is it looks gorgeous in the background all the the forest and the trees, the hills, like this little town, like it was like even the lumber yard and everything like that. They got some really good uh, scenery out of this movie. Yeah, it felt like the kind of small town, especially, you know, growing up in Denton, Texas, before it like really blossomed into what it is now. We had all those areas. We had like those hangout spots because uh, another reason why this movie is so great and I love the focus of bicycles is that bicycles were like our key to freedom when we were kids growing up in the 80s and 90s like that it it, it made us go from walking around our block to just going several miles with our friends and just at, at a time where our parents were hey as long as you're home by dinner we're not going to check up on you too much we didn't have cell phones and things like that and so uh i remember like be like hey i'll call you when i get to my friend's house or i'll let you know where we're going if we happen to go a different place but uh yeah this this captures that like we had our spots we had you know outside of like having the ass slide that i had in my backyard we had other places that we went to around town that had that same kind of vibe so it captures that small town uh vibe really well and um just like the the instant like understanding of certain people like when they're delivering the paper you're like that's the person that gets annoyed and hates kids and that's the person that's like will bend over backwards to help somebody out and they're like oh they love that person because they're old and they'll make sure that they get their groceries or whatever it may be and so like just i think starting off with him and his paper out is really well done and kind of establishes the town really well um there's a lot of things that are happening along the way that are just like what like the kid, uh, Jamie uh, Clark, who plays Luke, like he, there's a point where he runs over, falls over on top of a car. The lady's backing out. She doesn't seem to notice at all. And they're like, right. I noticed that moment. And I was like, wait, nobody heard that. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. They got they got to do what they got to do, and they don't they pay attention. Uh, like uh, they deliver one newspaper to Seven Eleven. Like they don't get a stack of them. Uh, <laughs> And they're delivering USA Today in Canada, but I guess it never really establishes that it's uh, Canada in the in the movie. Right, but, right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things that are just kind of happening that are just so questionable. Like even crew, like the hey, the crew, the the whole community loves crew, but he's like riding over their cars and it like right hey, all you're sorts of stuff. my roof, motherfucker. Right, like, and he's doing all these things, and you know everybody seems to hate him because he doesn't throw it in the right place. He's always yeah. late, and at the very you know towards the end, he gets it right. He, yeah. he he does that paper boy Nintendo his aim thing. His aim, <laughs> his aim gets better. He'll always aim right, right into a ass slide. Um <laughs> Dude, man, those 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 moments where it's like I would do I would do anything to go ass sliding with you right now. And you're just like <laughs> like just imagine like hearing that from somebody like, hey, you want to go ass sliding right now? Yeah, I mean that? that's a be a shirt. Yeah, just just say that to someone who hasn't seen this movie. It'll be a fun reaction. <laughs> what glass sliding? What? But I like that at the end of the movie when he's throwing all the papers in, there's like that montage of everybody like, all right, kid, and I love this guy. And it, would just, it just cracks me up because it's so over the top that he he's everybody's real happy and they're behind him. And yeah. I my other favorite character is the manager of the restaurant that crew works at who like hates him and then loves him as he's yeah. trying to get laid. And it's just so good. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. I I love these. I love these little moments in this movie. And luckily, you know, it's it's 90 minutes long. The soundtrack is there. And it has like this feel good because like you're watching the movie and even the opening sequence of the BMX stuntmen doing their stunts with the music. You're like, we don't see this type of stuff these days. We don't see like it, it would be way more Michael Bay-y oh. uh, than it is back then. Just simple seeing some cool stuff. And I wonder if that's because Michael Bay was on the precipice of like this is what audiences want they are so adhd like they can't they don't want to see one long shot of people doing stuff to a song they want cuts every few seconds with swooping shots i don't know what do you think about that i think yeah i mean everything has its ebbs and flows but i definitely think yeah like you said it was on the precipice of this where people we're we're done with this version of it and we want to see a different version. And I think it's swinging back now because the fast cutting of Michael Bay is now kind of falling it's, to, even though I enjoy his stuff, but it's kind of falling to the wayside where now it's like, I want to watch these two dudes fight. An or I want to watch this car chase for a long extended period of time. Right. Not- with yeah, like a one cut type of thing. Like like let's say Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, you know, that end fight scene where they all get to see him together all in one cut, or a lot of even I would say John Wick stuff again with gunplay, yes. having kind of like a no escapism of you know, cutting or showing something. And I like like let I them see fight. the actors suffer, man. Right. And that's what I want too. That's what I was so upset with. I think with blade three, I think was the cutting in that movie didn't allow um, Wesley Snipes to really showcase like his actual talent in Kung Fu. Cause he is actually, I think we found really... our movie for next week. <laughs> blade three. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing it out there. We could, we could. Um, 
but yeah, it's uh Rad is a good movie. And so I'm curious, Preston, how often do you watch Rad? Because Ooh. you just kind of showed showcased us. You have the posters, you have signed books, you have signed movies, you have VHS through Blu-ray, through 4K, DVD. I don't know if you have the laser disc. You have memorabilia of this movie. So is this so most people know that I, I love Army of Darkness. Like that is my movie. It is my number one movie of all time. People laugh at me. People are like, okay, weird. Is that is Rad your Army of Darkness? I suppose so from like a collector's standpoint, because it's it's fun to collect for a movie like this that has like those kind of items to it. Uh, my favorite movie of all time is Dazed and Confused, and all I have to show for it is a poster, VHS, like all the physical media stuff. But I don't have like a bunch of. It's like I got a joint signed by Matthew McConaughey right over there. Like I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't have anything quite like that. But I think it's just kind of fun to celebrate Rad because, like, I remember when we moved into the house that before we moved in the one that I'm currently in. Uh, we had like the inspector come in is checking around the house and he saw my whole rad collection. He's like, dude, you know about rad. And I was like, of course, <laughs> man. So it's just fun because like very few people like know what it is, but it's like such a fun movie to talk about. Like, dude, it's the most eighties movie you're ever going to see in your life. And uh, I don't, I don't know. It's just like the excitement and passion that people have over it. Uh, when you meet somebody who is into it as you are, or it's just kind of fun to, it's a great conversation piece when people come over and they're like, what the hell is that? That's so colorful. What is it? And then I explain it and they're like, that sounds rad. Let's check it out. And so uh, to answer your question, I watch it probably three, probably most three times a year, I would say. Um, I, I, I'll have it going on in the background or I'll have something at least lately just because they've been doing like Vinegar Syndrome did their 4K restoration a few years ago and they released different versions of it with different artwork on it, uh, Steelbook or a standard disc and all that. And then, yeah, they've been doing uh, tours for it where Bill Allen came to the Texas theater and they had an outdoor screening, right? I, I want to say it was in 2020. It was late 2020 because we had to wear masks and everything. We did it outside. The, the, that's what the Texas theater was doing at the time since they weren't screening movies on the inside. They had like a rolling road show type of thing um, where they screened stuff outside on, on a blow up screen. And uh, yeah, we got to chat with him and it was fun. And um Right after that, when they did Vinegar Syndrome, did their release, I talked to Bill Allen and Bart Connor together, who, you know, I I, I, I love Bart. Uh, th that's another reason why I love this movie. So Bart Connor, the actor, plays Bart Taylor in the movie. He's the blonde uh, karate kid type of villain um, in this. And what makes it really great to me is the ending sequence of them like wanting to have like a fair race. Like they're not really getting too dirty about it. Like, you know, coming into it, like uh, it's mainly like Duke Best, like he's doing all the dirty stuff. And then so Bill Allen, uh, Crew Jones is kind of doing the same thing. He's like fighting fire with fire because there's a sequence when they're racing where I was like, dude, Crew's like totally cheating right there. He's yeah. like cutting corners. They're, they're cutting quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Riding on pavement and stuff like that. So that's what he has to do. That's what he has to do to kind of get uh 
to be, to be the to at least get in to, and then he can play fairly. Um, but yeah, I love the ending where it's just like this kind of like high five type of thing where he kind of like waves them on or he waits to make sure it's like a, a fair race and that they're doing they're doing it the right way. And that's like very respectable. And so I think that's what makes it cool at the end is that the the the, the people who were, you know, protagonists, antagonists and this, like like they shook hands and they could and like or as soon as it ends, you're like, I want to see that movie. I want to see them growing out together and like what, yeah. what what happens after that yeah they're they're gonna fight the russians you know they're gonna be yeah. a russian yeah. bmx race like rocky and yeah. rad red dawn red, um, <laughs> rad red dawn that'd be fucking badass uh that's what we should have done we should write that movie rad yeah. russian yeah and our hell track will be that that was another thing like at the time when I when Hell Track the name was getting like built up the entire time, it's it's a basic track. I mean, it's got some yeah. gnarly turns here and there, and like that one like plateau type thing at the end. But I want some like obstacles in there. I want some fire. I want some shit getting in the way. Like I want it to live up to the Hell Track. Outside of that first drop, where you're like Jesus Christ, um, that's about it. So with this movie, this movie has a 42% rating on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment. It's definitely rotten. Uh, Leonard Malton hated this movie. A bunch of people hated this movie. I'm curious, is this something... I mean, the New York Times talked about this movie, but I'm curious on, is this something where at the time in the 80s, film critics were i mean i I, you gotta think they were kind of like us three but maybe not maybe they were more stuck up they all were in the bow ties and the sweaters and i don't know like maybe there's this was too low brow for them but i mean nowadays a lot of people a lot lot more people are film critics and like uh, we're excited to see the meg too yeah super excited yeah that movie's gonna be amazing we're real excited about that but I mean, what do you think, Dan? Do you think like it's a product of its time? Like if it, if Rad were to come out today, do you think people would like it or like, oh, it's nostalgic, it's 80s? No, you don't think so? No, I think, I mean, I don't begrudge anyone who, like we're trying to turn people onto it, but I think at, to go back in time and do it at the time of what was going on, they may have just thought this movie was like really stupid. I mean, which is can be someone's opinion we all disagree with it but at the same time i can see how someone a critic or someone can be like oh a 90 minute bmx movie you know i i can just see people getting roped into that and giving it bad reviews and i'm not going to begrudge them of that but I, I just think like most of the movies we do here it's our job if you will <laughs> that we've decided to do is to go back and look at these movies that people may have missed or as a product of the time got bad reviews and say you know what there's some good in there. I, I I mean, who knows if we're doing this podcast 20 years from now, it'd be funny to go back and look at some of the movies. We, you, us three, you know, shit on in text. We're going to watch the like, replacements. <laughs> and be like, and be like, guys, you know what? It really wasn't, you know, well, let me, uh, quantum mania really wasn't that bad of a movie. I'm just throwing out a movie that none of us, like none of us really like. Yeah. Just, we, it was misunderstood. We came back. It was to misunderstood it at later. the time, but really they were trying to say something and try, I don't know. It's just, it's tough to go back <laughs> in time. And unfortunately that's the biggest problem with these critic things 
is that it is an opinion art. And I think that a lot of critics, especially back then, did not give enough credence to other people may have a different opinion than you. And I think there was kind of social clout and power and being more stuck up about things, which I think has faded a little bit today. But also there's some movies that come out that you all three of us talk about. We're like, man, people hated that. I have no idea why it wasn't that bad. Let's calm down. And so, again, I I think if it came out today, I think there would be a lot of people that would be like, this movie's stupid, who are quote unquote mainstream, your Rotten Tomatoes reviewers, your head people who wouldn't who wouldn't really like it. But there would be a huge subset of critics like you two who are like, you know what, I appreciate what it's trying to do. And I think that's what's elevating critic culture in general. But back then, it doesn't shock me one bit they hate this movie. <laughs> it just <laughs> doesn't surprise me. It really doesn't. So you, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to remake this movie and I'm going to make it like a before sunrise type where they're just like walking and talking and really connecting in between all the race stuff. <laughs> really make it current and make it wheelie shoes. Like yeah. those shoes that you just see kids we, just like lift their toes on the mall and just cruise on by you. <laughs> like, yeah. That's that's what you should do. I mean, it would bring back the bike thing because I mean, so many people, I mean, you don't see kids on bikes a lot these days. At least I don't. And yeah. I, you know, they're either, they're involved in too many things as far as sports and extracurricular activities or they're playing video games and they're not on bikes that's what that's what i used to do growing up in the 80s and early 90s it was always i had to have the bikes i had to have the the pegs i had to have you know all that fun stuff and like i had a mountain bike to go riding around the lake with i had um a a trick bike like it was fun as hell like that's what i did and I wish there was more of that because this movie oozed that funness. And you only wish you lived in a town where everybody was pro bicycle. Yeah. I mean, Dallas and Austin tried to do pro bicycle at one point by having those them on every corner, but that didn't work out. Well, didn't didn't has a pretty good bike scene because I was a part of it in college uh, where we would do neighborhood bike rides. We wouldn't do anything quite like this, but that was a thing, man. And that was so much fun to be a part of. Like Tuesday night was bike night and we rode from the English building, rode around the the Ditton Square. We would some guy would have they would be doing tricks while we're waiting. Like there'd be like 100 bikes out there. Everybody just like wheeling around on fry street and like some guy like built a double decker like he welded it together himself and like they're, they're they got some crazy stuff um so that it, it was still kind of a part of at least the Ditton culture um i think that it still happens today but uh yeah just riding through the neighborhoods and the guys would be like everybody shut up quiet neighborhood quiet neighborhood everybody and it was just it was it was the greatest and so uh i i I, it's still kind of there a little bit um but yeah you don't see a lot of bike racks these days and people chaining up there or anything like that um people mostly like walk or ride to where they need to go and then or take the bus and things like that but hey man bikes are very sustainable so do do your part man so Dan, are you going to show any of your friends, your kids, any any of this movie? Yeah, we're having a housewarming thing on Saturday, and I a hundred percent plan to go to the YouTube of the prom scene. 
Oh, 100%. Awesome. I'm going to be like, guys. <laughs> Just have I it on repeat. Show, <laughs> I need to show you something romantic. And, then... <laughs> and I'm curious on how many people will actually know what it is. No, I... We'll see. Oh, that's amazing. It's going to bunny hop into your heart. It sure is. It sure is. Oh my God, this is rad. Uh, the the movie, you can buy it through Vinegar Syndrome. You can buy it through most retail places, one of the versions. Uh, it is available digitally to buy and rent on Amazon and iTunes. It is not available on Vudu at the moment. Uh, and happy birthday, Preston. Are you going to watch? I mean, you already watched it, but is this like yeah. something you're going to watch like right when you wake up on your birthday? Uh, no, I think I got it in this year. Um, so I, I, I'm good there, but, uh, if I threw out some rad ideas for my wife, I even found like a birthday card that says like, have a rad birthday. And <laughs> so I'm hoping I get it. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, that's about as far as it'll go this year. I, I ha still haven't quite decided what I'm going to do on my actual birthday, which is a uh, Monday. I I may do a movie marathon. I love the Harry Potter movies. They make me feel good, so I may end up watching them or or something. But uh yeah, my my wife doesn't really love this movie that much. So <laughs> she she's making fun of it and she's like what what a, what is this Preston? Like she especially I rem her how vocal she was during the bicycle boogie sequence uh is is as much a treasure as this movie is to me. Okay. Okay. I, I'm, I, I have, I have suggestions for your birthday movies, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Uh, but the, the rad movie is there for you. It's amazing. Uh, I think we all liked it. We have somebody, you know, you have me who's watched it a few times over the years. You have somebody that's really into it. And you have somebody that watched it the first time here on the show. I think we all collectively enjoy this movie on some level, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Something we all like. So please seek out rad. Um, and know movie. that thrashing and gleaming the cube are on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Airborne, we gotta or break, we gotta get some rollerblade action in the there. The dirt bike kid. I mean, yeah. that's part of it. That's all the 80s stuff. So we'll, we'll we'll be in the BMX realm soon enough again. Uh, but yes, we are Fear and Loathing and Cinema Podcast. Thank you always for listening. Check out Dan Moran. He runs the Instagram of Fear and Loathing. Give that a follow. Message us. Tell us what movies you want us to review and check out. Message him. We're at Fear and Loathing. Dan Moran runs that. He also writes review for BoomstickComics.com. Check him out there as well. And if you're in Austin, say hello to him. <laughs> and then there's Preston Barta. It's it's his birthday week. Uh, we love him so. It's fun. It's fun to watch him grow up. You know, <laughs> I feel like I've, I've known you since your twenties when you were your yeah. early twenties. It's crazy to think that. Uh, and find him at freshfiction.tv. He runs that site over there. He's doing all their movie reviews and all those amazing interviews. He's got some uh, new interviews for uh blackberry right yeah yeah coming out so check those out check him out at the denton record chronicle and uh check him out at blu-ray dad on instagram and press and bart on twitter check out his interviews again for ted lasso season three they're all on youtube right now check those out 
He gets some great, great stuff out of all the actors. And I'm Brian Kluger. Find me at Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Brian Kluger. And you can find me at highdefdigest.com. You can find out all the reviews, all the Blu-rays, all the 4Ks, and Boomstick comics as well. And then on Wednesdays, you can check me out from noon till 2 central time on Electromagnetic Radio playing soundtrack songs. And then check Preston and I out on our other show, My Bloody Podcast. We have a good time there. We'll see you next week. Until then, enjoy ass sliding and be rad. <laughs>